G'day everybody and welcome to the Spotlight Mining Podcast. I'm Liam Hardy. It's been quite a while since we did a podcast. Uh, we've been out in the field in British Columbia, up the mountains, out in Romania, visiting Detrail. It's been a pretty awesome summer, so it's, uh, it's good to be back here. And today we're joined by Ian Slater, who's going to tell us all about Libero Copper's current projects in Colombia, the US and Canada. So if you could start, Ian, just uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, your, your history in mining. All right. Well, Ian Slater, I'm the... I, I, no, I, but I have to take a step back to like long history is, uh, is I was an accountant. I was a managing partner of Arthur Anderson's um, Soviet Union mining business and then, and then Ernst & Young's Canadian mining business. And then um, about 10 years ago, I, I retired and started becoming an entrepreneur, build mining companies. And my latest one, Libero, I founded a couple of years ago with Leo Hathaway, who uh, was the VP Exploration on all of the Lumina companies. And uh, Leo and I wanted to kind of recreate what they did with Lumina and acquire large porphyry projects in the Americas with historical drilling and resources and, and no fatal flaws. So we acquired a couple of those in Colombia and the U.S. And then, um, and then we found a, an exploration project in the Golden Triangle came across Leo's desk and it had amazing soil anomalies. So we've been working on that this summer as well. Yeah, so that's the Big Red project, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so let's start by talking about that. I mean, copper's had a pretty rough run uh, recently. The price is up and demand is up, but uh, people don't seem to be uh, putting their money behind it. Uh, how's Big Red going, and how are you uh, how are you promoting that? Well, Big Red, um, you know, when we we acquired it this spring, and we compiled thirty five years of well, actually thirty five reports over fifty five years of uh, of work on the project, and no one had ever done that before. No one had compiled all that data and digitized it. And it really showed some great um, soil anomalies and rock anomalies. So, and gold. So we've uh, we went up there this summer and we did you know big scale reconnaissance sampling and found some great targets that we've now gone back and done um, done uh, a lot more sampling on. And we've even drilled a couple holes and we uh, we flew a ZTEM survey this uh, this fall as well. So we have a lot more information over the winter to uh, to plan next summer's uh, much larger drill program. Yeah. And your latest news release was uh, the drill results from that. Uh, do you want to give us some highlights from the news release? Oh, it wasn't actually. In, in September, we released the reconnaissance sampling from the summer, but we, we actually just finished drilling uh, yesterday. So we, don't, we won't have those results for a while. Yeah. High hopes? Anything good visually? Uh, well, you know, in that era, it's a, it's a porphyry gold target. And visually, like you can't, it has tiny veins in it, but you can't really see them. You know, so so even when we sampled it at the surface, it didn't look um, it didn't look special. It's just monzite. So so it's um, you know when we did go through um, uh, through the when you in the core we did see some some veining, some quartz veining, chuckle veining, but um, but we re- really don't know until we get the samples back. Because like I said, at surface you couldn't even tell it was mineralized. Yeah. So you're aiming for the the core of the porphyry rather than the stock work at the moment. Uh, well, we wanted to to drill. Um, to drill a ridge target, which is high-grade gold veins, um, but um, the, we couldn't get in because of the weather. Well, that first thing in in July, we had some great results up there. It's uh, I mean, it's one of the highest-grade gold in in Talus, really, because it's kind of like rubble, right, up there that's yeah. not really soils. But um, you know, hundreds of samples, all with really high grades, like multiple, you know, tens of grams, even so. It'll be uh, exciting when when uh, when we when we got the holes in there for sure. So we're going to drill both the porphyry and uh, and and vein targets. 
Very cool. And you've also got some projects uh, in South America, is that right? You've got a Colombian project? Yeah, our flagship project really is the Makoa project. It's um, 636 million tons of 0.45 copper equivalent with Molly. Um, it's a it's a great project, and when you know the copper market comes back, it'll be an exciting one to drill. I mean, if you look at, we got it from B2 Gold, and if you look at some of their drill results, they were, you know, six seven hundred meters of half a percent copper. If you look at, at our in our presentation, there's um there's a, a cross section where you can see the uh, the pit outline for that 636 million tons, and right below it, there's there's intercepts of one percent copper. So if we can do some more drilling at depth and pull that into the resource, it'll it'll be really helpful for the tonnage and grade. And how do you feel about working in Colombia? Colombia, I've worked there for 10 years. Um, so I've had no problems working there. That you know, The federal government has always been very pro-mining, pro-FDI. Um, you know, there were issues in the past with um, converting applications, like when you, when you stake an area for exploration companies into concessions so they can drill. But you know, we've never had that issue because we've always had concessions, right? But, so it's yeah. never affected us. But you can understand why some well, exploration companies with only applications are very frustrated because they can't drill them. <laughs> but, but for us, for, uh, for, for working once you have a concession, um, for, you know, for getting drill permits, for, for even, you know, we permitted a mine before, so it's, uh, it's, not, it's not an issue. And also, one of the big steps um, we, that we had at Makoa this year was we only acquired it a year ago. And, and one of the first things you have to do is, is get the government confirmation that there's no indigenous groups within the area of influence. So we got that confirmation recently. So that's, that's great. That makes it a lot easier to drill going forward. Yeah, you don't have to deal with uh, with extra parties and communities. Yeah, in, in Colombia, there's a, a formal process you have to go through a previous consultation with indigenous groups, and it takes a year, so it's, yeah. uh, and that's expensive, so it's, it's good that we don't have to go through that process. I suppose it's a good process, to be fair, to the if there are people living there. In, uh... Oh, for sure, yeah, if there are people there, but there aren't. Yeah, no one on the project, yeah. Yeah, and then your your final major project is in the USA. Yeah, so that one is very similar to the Colombian one. Um, great road access, historical drilling, but it's it's a bit lower grade, so it's not been our focus to date. We've been focused on Makoa and Big Red, but that project, when we have a copper market back, it's it's exciting because it's already 700 million tons, and it could easily be a couple billion tons. It's open in every direction, and it was drilled in the 1980s by Mollycorp, and they just drilled 200-meter holes, all ending in mineralization, all ver vertical holes that just stopped because that's uh, how much, I think it's probably how many how much rods they had. Do you have any plans to follow up on that this year, or is that uh, on the back burner for now? Uh, well, as with Columbia and uh, with Makoa and Tamichi, we're drill permitting both of them, so we're ready for when uh, the market turns for for copper exploration. Yeah, fingers crossed that soon, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in the meantime, we'll we'll keep working on a gold porphyry project in BC. Keep building it up, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about Libero. Uh, how did the company form? How did you uh, how did you get all these projects together? Um. Well. I was, like I said in the beginning, with Leo Hathaway and I, we had a we had a idea to um, to recreate what he did with Lumina when he was the VP exploration there and uh, acquire, you know, large tonnage porphyry projects without fatal flaws. And it's a lot easier said than done. You know, there's not many out there. Like Makoa is one of the only porphyry projects in South America of that kind of grade that's not with a major already. It's very few. You can count them on one hand, and a lot of them have fatal flaws or possible or potential fatal flaws especially in, in metallurgy and social issues. 
So it's um, which we don't have either. Macoa is um, the government did a feasibility study in the 1980s, and it's it's a very clean seismic train. So two years ago, we put the company together with Leo, and we funded it ourselves until this summer when we when we raised uh, almost four million dollars to to start uh, working on Big Red. Yeah, and how, how did you find raising on that? Is there much interest for copper at the moment? Oh, it was very challenging last spring trying to raise money for copper, especially copper in Colombia. Yeah. But uh, when we announced the, the results from compiling all of that data in the BC project, so it's, uh, it was outstanding uh, uh, rock results, um, gold, and, gold uh, anomalies, and, um, and it's gold, and it's in British Columbia. Then, then the, and, and when the gold price turned into $1,500 in the summer, then, uh, then it was much, much easier, obviously, to raise the capital. There's, there's definitely capital available for, for, for good exploration projects in, in Canada. So um, talking about copper, um, obviously there's a high demand for that at the moment, um, linked to electric cars and global development. Um, do Do you think Canada will play a major part in providing that? Or do you think Canada will be a bit too slow off the mark to actually develop any mines? Um. Well, it's a mixed message, really, because you know you look at the provincial level um, in the West. The you know the BC government is, even though it's a, an NDP government, it's been pro mining and it's been permitting mines. So, um, you know, I think that that's driven by jobs. Right? I mean, it's a, a big constant stakeholder. Uh, the NDP party is the unions, and and mining jobs are the highest paying jobs in rural areas in in, in BC or in the, in the world, really, but but especially here. Um, so, so you have lots of positive um, messages coming out of all the Western provinces for, for resource development, but then we just elected a government, uh, a liberal NDP government, who have both said that they're anti, anti-resource development. So. And you're fairly close to Galore Creek, which is obviously the, the major new project uh, with tech. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that's going to help or hinder looking at uh, the size of their investment there? I think the, the more investment in the Golden Triangle, the more mines that get built, um, helps everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's obviously very capital intensive to start a, a porphyry project. Um, yeah. how, how realistic do you think yours is long term uh, in terms of uh, transport connections, power connections? Um, well, it's really early days, but you can drive actually onto the project, which is which is pretty rare in in that part of the world. But you can um, you can drive past Dees Lake, Telegraph Creek, and to Glenora at the and then um, and then you can drive actually right down to a placer mine on the Barrington River. Um, so that's uh, so you can drive right, right to the edge, and then we we base there, and so then it's only you know seven to ten minute helicopter ride to the different targets that we have from there. Um, so that, from that perspective, the infrastructure is great. Um, yeah, we, obviously, we'd have to uh, we'd have to build a bridge across that Barrington River, but that would be the only major infrastructure. And, and there's, if you look at that road from Dees Lake to Glenora, um, there's bridges, a lot of bridges over a lot of rivers. So it's uh, it's not it's not a unique challenge. So what are the major uh, existing projects in the region you're you're at at the moment? Well, like you said, the Glenora Creek mine is directly south of us. And then to the east of us is uh, is Red Chris and GT Gold. Very cool. Uh, what are your plans yeah. uh, going forwards into early next year? Are you going to be hitting conferences, PDAC, and, and Roundup? Oh yeah, I'll be. Uh, I'm at uh, all the conferences. So uh, going to New Orleans this weekend, and um, Zurich and London in November, and then uh, PDAC in March. Yeah, I'll probably see you in London and at PDAC. Which, uh... Yeah, great. <laughs> Uh, what's the best way for people to, to find out more about the company? 
Well, the website is a great place to start. We have all the technical reports on there and uh, and press releases and descriptions of the project, so they can call me. Yeah, wonderful. So thank you very much for joining us, Ian. Uh, it's been great to chat. Yeah, great. Look forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, and have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. So thank you very much to Ian Slater from Libero Copper. You can check out all of our previous podcasts on www.spotlightmining.com as well as our videos and blog pieces. Next week we're joined by Max from Calinex for an update on their current polymetallic VMS deposits in eastern Canada. Cheers for joining us. Have a great day.